Second Thessalonians. We're down in Second Second Thessalonians, chapter number two. You there? Say amen. All right. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, which day, the day of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness, all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should not, they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved, beloved Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of glory of our, um, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by or our epistle, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation, and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, establish, establish you in every good word and work. So in this passage, he's giving reference, of course we know about the end times, about the end times of the rapture, especially that of the rapture, but that of the appearing of the Antichrist. If we are not here, I'm going to hit this quickly. If we are not here for the tribulation, why are there so many passages from the Word of God telling us we're going to go through the tribulation? If we're not going to go through the tribulation, why are there passages describing our responsibility in the tribulation? If we're not going to be here for the tribulation, and if we're not going to be here for the Antichrist being revealed, why are we concerned about the market? Why is it such a strain for that? Because we are going to be here for that. And people who tell us otherwise just don't, they don't see it. And God help them, but they won't see it. But they're going to be the ones 
who are scratching, those who are going scratching at the, you know, at the doors, trying to figure out what to do. Their, their minds are going to be shaken. They're not going to understand what's going on. Uh, go quickly, First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter number 4. Verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and, and remain unto the coming of the who? Coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So what has to happen before the coming of the Lord? The Antichrist. We read that in 2 Thessalonians. Verse number 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with, a, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the day of Christ, same day. Right? The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety that is set in destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The travail coming upon a woman is she's expecting the child, right? She's expecting. Things have to be brought forth. There's things in waiting. There's things waiting to happen. Just like a baby is waiting to be born. And in the fullness of time, it will happen, right? It says in verse number 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that, that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us, wa let us watch and be sober. But again, this watching and soberness, being attention, is not talking about a pre-trib rapture. It's about the thing that's going to take place with wrath. How do I know that? Verse number, verse number 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to the tribulation. No. It says, For God who hath, hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also do you. He's not saying that we're never going to have tribulation. We're going to go through tribulation. We're going to go through man's wrath. But the wrath of God is what we're spared from. And mm -hmm. the Antichrist is going to rule and reign. We're going to have a view of the Antichrist for three and a half years, just like the Bible says in Matthew 24. Yes, we've got to watch. Yes, we've got to be sober. Yes, we've got to be looking. Yes, we've got to be ready. But guess what? We don't control the timetable of God's rapture. God does. God has already put it out and said it's after the tribulation. Matthew 24, 29, it's after the tribulation. The sun is darkened. The moon turns to blood. The stars fall from heaven. Smoke, vapors, 
earth place, all that takes place. It's been all the way down through Scripture. It's given the same exact points, day in and day out. We, we find we study it out through. We can't take one verse and say, oh, there it is. It's just a watch. Do nothing but just watch. Because Jesus is coming, we just got to watch. Yes, we all ought to watch. No one is questioning that. We need to watch. We need to be patient. We need to be focused. We need to be serving Jesus till he comes. But my friend, we're going to go through tribulation. We know that. Having said that, look what the adversary, look what Satan, look what the Antichrist does. We're going to look at here about standing against God. So go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. <clears throat> we're, going to look at the, we're going to look at three things today, three things tonight quickly. Number one is the adversary, who is the accuser of the brethren. We're going to look at the Antichrist, and then we're going to look at the Antichristian. The Antichristian. Okay? Those three different people, there's three different things in the Bible. So it says first and foremost in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and it says there in verses number 3 and 4, it says, let no man deceive you by any means. So there's easy to be deceived. If it says let, let no man deceive you, it means some people can deceive you. Okay, And Paul says, that day shall not come except there be there come a fungal way first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And what does he do? He exalts himself. He who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Of course, we know this is the abomination of desolation Daniel talks about. So take your Bibles quickly and go back to um, Isaiah chapter number 14. Go back to Isaiah chapter number 14. We see some things about this, what the adversary does. We're just going to take the Bible, what it says. There's four things listed that we find what the adversary, what Satan does. There's a devil. He's real. He's out there. Lester Wallach used to say, if there's no devil, who's doing all the devil? <laughs> who's doing all the devil there's no devil, right? Isaiah chapter number 14, we're going to see some things about Satan himself. Now, of course, I know the Antichrist is here as well. The Antichrist, he's going to follow a certain mode. But he gets the power from Satan. And it says here in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art, how art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the, upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be my, I will be like the most high. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. You see some things that he says right there in this passage. There's four things. Number one, he opposed or weakened the nations. He opposed and he weakened the nations. That's what Satan does. Through his pride, he's always working behind the scenes in every government, in every country, in every land, throughout the ages. He's always been there. He's always weakening the nations. And the Bible says that, that they, all the in the pit will look narrowly upon him, right? So he knows he opposes the nations. He's opposing them. But also he exalts himself. I will exalt my throne. I will ascend. I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be my ruler's side. He exalts himself. Higher than he ought to be. Lucifer, you're nothing more than a created being. And yet he holds himself up as equal to God, or as being God. And he exalts himself above anyone else. Isn't that something what Satan likes to do? Doesn't that, isn't it something we can find from Scripture that Satan always does? He's always in opposition, and he's always exalting himself. Satan doesn't go far except through exalting. Even the temptation of Christ, when he was testing Christ in the wilderness. Right? 
If you bow down and worship me, I will give you all this kingdom. If you bow down and worship me. I mean, he was testing Christ's limits, but he couldn't help but dig a little bit more of worship me. He wanted God the Son to worship to worship himself, Satan. He says, I'll sit in the heavens. Look at me. I'm going to sit in the sides of the north. I'm going to sit in the heavens. I'm going to sit in the, in the congregation. I'm going to sit. I'm, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to, I'm going to sit in the heavens. I'm going to equate myself with someone better than I already am. But then he wanted to equate himself. He wanted to equate himself as God. I will be like the Most High. No, that's not a bad thing that we want to be like Christ. Does anyone want to be more godly in their life? Does anyone want to be less godly? I saw the hand. No, we want to be more godly. We that scares me when two of my daughters are in the hand. But uh, we want to. We want to. We want to be more like Christ. We want to be more like God. So is that our goal? To be holy, like God is holy. To be Christ-like. This is it what we want to do? But his was, his was that he wanted to be more like the Most High. He wanted to sit and place with God. And you know what? That's what a lot of religion does today. Religion says today, hey, you can be it here. You can have popularity and wealth. You can have prestige. God will exalt you to his rightful throne. Mormons teach that. That one day you can live your life in such a way to become a god just like Jesus. Mormons teach that theology. Well, what does that happen? It's because they're equating themselves as God. It scares me when I hear it even in joking. My, my dad used to say this, and then I found it in Scripture, and I was like, whoa, dad. He was like, whoa, I messed up. He used to say, he used to say, um, he basically said, I am that I am. That's what he used to say, I, I am, I am that I am. And instead of saying, I am what I am, <laughs> he said, I am that I am. And he was almost saying, Dad, you're, you're Dad, you're awesome. Dad, you're the best, Dad. I am, I am that I am. And that's like, when I showed him, I was like, this is actually a claim that God says about himself, I am that I am. He was like, oh, I gotta stop saying that. I was like, yeah, Dad, this is pretty bad stuff. You're Blasphemy! You're putting yourself equal to God. He goes, "Oh no, I don't mean that." And then to make matters worse, he slipped down a banana peel and fell. And I was like, "Whoa!" It's like, <laughs> "Whoa!" The Bible's real. He's gonna smoke down. But as like he equated himself as God. But how many times do we hear people equate themselves as being God? In passing, slip of the tongue, whatnot. If I ever came across and I made it sound like I was God to you, I would hope one of you would come to me and say, "Hey, you said this." I'd be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." The next service, I'll be up there, and I'll be like, hey, guys, I apologize. I don't equate myself to being God, not at all. But some people have that attitude. They think they walk on water. They think they are God. They think they're God incarnate. And they take things that belong to Christ, and they put it to themselves. They take things that belong to the Holy Spirit and make it about themselves. They take things about God, and they make it about themselves. And it's just rank of opinion. It sees pride lifted in every one of them. So that's what, the, that's what the adversary, that's what Satan will do. He'll accuse us before God. He accuses, he's accuser of the brethren. The Bible says in Revelation that he's the accuser of the brethren. Well, what does the Bible say about, what does God say about accusing the brethren? Doesn't the Bible say that these six things that the Lord hate, seven are abomination unto him? Right? And the last one is what? Sowing discord among the brethren. Right. Accusing and sowing discord among the brethren. That tactic is satanic. It's of Satan. So we need to guard ourselves against those things that we're not doing the same thing. But again, we're talking about standing against God. But how does that take place? Well, we stand against God. It's where we, we kind of take ourselves and we think that we can hinder the work of God or we can somehow limit the work of God. 
Some of y'all know what's going on this past week. They had a conference down in Cincinnati. Whether you like or not, the people who are preaching or not, I don't really care. But the fact is, preaching was going on. They're preaching salvation by grace through faith. They're going out and soul winning. They're doing their best to serve God. And whether I agree with everything they ever say or do, I don't care. I would never stand against them. In fact, I promoted it. I encouraged the guys for it. I, we helped, I helped give towards, towards the help the preaching conference to go on. And the whole behind the scenes, I'm helping them trying to find hotels behind the scenes when they kept on getting kicked out of the hotels they were in. Because I don't want to be the guy that's hindering the work of God. And I did everything I could to support them. I'm not, I'm not saying to boast myself. I'm just saying I did it because I don't want to stand against the work of God. Even if they don't like me, even if I don't like them, it's the work of God and it has to continue. It has to continue. Look at Bible says back in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Satan is accused of the brethren. He likes to sow that discord. He likes to get in the way of things. He likes to throw monkey wrenches in. That's what Satan likes to do. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, you find this about the Antichrist. So not just do we see that you see Satan and all of his power and his best interest in heaven, his best interest was to equate himself to God. His best interest was to, was to oppose the weakened, weakened nations. His best interest was to exalt himself and to equate himself with that God. Now what about the Antichrist? What's up with the Antichrist? Well, the Antichrist is empowered by who? Satan, right? He's empowered by Satan. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, and second two, second Thessalonians chapter two, excuse me, verse number three and four. Let no man deceive, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a fallen away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that just sound like we just read over in Isaiah? what the Antichrist does. But don't worry about it, because we as Christians are taken out in a secret rapture. And we don't have to worry about the Antichrist, because we're not going to be here for the Antichrist. But the Bible warns Christians that are not going to be there about the Antichrist, but don't worry, we're not there. And if you had a ready mind and understood and was willing to listen, you'd understand that doctrine. And no one's been able to refute me, because I can't take any correction. I'm tired of stuffed shirts saying that kind of stuff. Because the Bible tells us they oppose themselves. Satan, the Antichrist, is going to oppose and that's, by the way, that's exactly what the average person will want to do who tries to manipulate you. Is they're trying to oppose you. They're trying to exalt themselves. They're going to sit in the temple of God. They're going to show themselves that he, is, that he is God. They're going to take everything they do as equal to God, and it's not of God at all. This is what the Antichrist is going to do. He exalts himself above all that is called God. The Bible just said that. The Bible just said that. Who opposes it? and exalted himself above all that is called God. I will be like the Most High. I will take my place among the sides of the north. I will have my seat in the congregation above the sides of the north. I will be like the Most High. I will sit in the heavens. Look what I will do. That's the same thing the Antichrist is going to do. And there's going to be people who are duped to believe it. And the strong delusion is going to come, and they're going to take on the Antichrist and follow him and take the mark of the beast. And you say, that's kind of crazy, I'll never believe it. Really? Look at the masks today. Yep. Useless masks. Look at the vaccinations. Force, they're going to be forcing vaccination deaths. Look at the people who, so, who just don't see through it. Like I said, this guy this past week in the marketplace, I'm not kidding you. He had goggles on, he had a face shield, he had rubber gloves on, he had a mask on, and he was walking around, the, he was walking around like super scared 
for six friends, six friends, ah! Literally, he was like that. And I was like, oh my goodness. I wanted to find him a foil hat, just like go with the, the whole assembly. And I was like, seriously, man, it's going to be okay. And he was all upset. What was even funnier was he was walking up the down aisle. So if, if anyone is going the wrong way, he was. But he was like, ah, six friends, six friends, coin shortage, coin shortage. And I'm like, this guy's French fries shy of a happy meal. <laughs> this guy is messed up. Well, you say, look at the world around us and look at how much you're being duped. Look how the world around us is being duped into even accepting the vaccination. I can't wait for the vaccination to come out. Then I can be healthy. Then I'll be safe. I can't wait for it. Then I can be safe. Really? Well, then what happens next year? We've got to get the next vaccination. The next vaccination. You go to get a flu shot, flu shot, flu shot, flu shot, vaccination, vaccination, vaccination. It's just setting a pattern for that. You say, well, that'll never happen. Really? When they start rolling out with Bitcoins or the, you know, the one world court currency, and then they start bringing it out, hey, by the way, no currency whatsoever. Everything's done by a chip. Everything's done by the mark of the beast. And I'm going to have this as a registered number. You're going to be okay. I was talking to a pastor friend in New York. In order to go into the hospital, you have to give him a copy of a driver's license. They make a copy and they hold on to it. For how long? I don't know. They're saying for a year. What they're going to do is they're going to track it saying, on such and such day, doctor, pastor, so-and-so went to visit so-and-so in patient room 664. And then 664, that patient gets out of the hospital. He's good to go. He's, good. he's over coronavirus, whatever's going on. The pastor, now that he went back, we're tracking this guy. Every visitor that goes in, they're tracking who they visited so they can help track the spread going through. I'm like, wow. So in other words, if I wanted to visit, you know, Susie Q in a, in a hospital, i got to give her my driver's license in order to get to the driver, you know, even go in to see them. And you're going to track every move I make? Within, this, within New York, this is literally happening within New York. If I want to go from county to county within New York, I have to, and I have, you know, let's say I'm going to do it, uh, a delivery route with a truck driver. They're taking copies of driver's licenses that are going from out of state and they go into like a DMV. They're making copies. If they're going to a grocery, if they're going to any transaction, a bank, with a driver's license, they're tracking your movement. Well, sooner or later, paper's going to get out of style. You know what we need to do? We need to get a, tra a tracker that's more accessible. Not a cell phone, but something that can be easily tracked and know exactly what's going on in your life. Here, here's a mark of the beast that you can't, you can't do without. And before everybody says, oh, I'll never take that. Well, I hope you're right about the rapture then because you're going to have to take it or not have anything to sell, buy, sell, or trade because without the mark of the beast, you won't do these things. So it'll never happen in my day. Really? Turn back, turn, turn back about, what, 80, 90 years when social security cards came out. No one had, no one wanted social security numbers. Now you can't even get a, you can't, you can't do anything without a, without a credit, without a social security number. You can't go see a doctor without it. You can't go and get driver's license. You can't win. Two proofs of ID. You need your driver's license and social security card, which is redundant because if I have my driver's license, you already have my social security number on file, which is proof of my identity to get my driver's license. That's my social security number. Why do you need it? Because I do it sometimes just to be irritated. Like, I'm not giving you my social security number. Why not? You don't need it. I need two forms of ID. Here's my credit card. You know, credit cards can't be gotten without, without proof of ID. Here's my driver's license. Here's my name. Okay, well then I, then I started getting smarter. I started showing my CCW. There's my photo ID. Here's my CCW. Oh, I can't take that. Why not? The photo ID is government issued. Proof of my identity. Just, just to be irritating. But it's like the Antichrist is going to cause all these people to follow them. Well, how does that happen? 
That'll never happen in my day. Really, it's happening today. And you can't, well, we got to obey what the government says. We can't have church. We can't have more gatherings more than 10 because, hey, the government said so. Well, you know what? I'm not going to put, the, the, the Antichrist is going to be there opposing everybody. He's opposing himself above all that is called God. He exalts himself and sitteth in the temple of God. He causes ablation to cease, the abomination of desolation. He goes in sacrifice how he wants to be sacrificed, and God says it's enough. But he shows himself that he is God. That's what the Antichrist is trying to do. That's what the Antichrist does. Well, let's get to the Antichristian. Go to, go to Acts chapter number 5. <coughs> Acts chapter number 5. Now, what is the anti-Christian? Well, the anti-Christian is someone who is against, you know, the anti-Christ is against, is against Christ, right? Anti-Christ. He's against Christ. He's another Christ. He's anti-Christ. But what about the one who's anti-Christian? What do we do about the guy who's anti-Christian? Acts chapter number uh, 5, verse number 34. Of course, we know this is about the apostles. They're there preaching Jesus. They get mad at him. They bring him out. And they're trying to figure out what to do to these apostles because they've already told them not to preach in Jesus' name before they kept doing it. So now they're trying to figure out what to do. They're before the council, and it says in verse number 34, then stood there up one in the one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people, and had commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves. What you intend to do is touching these men. Pause. Verse number 36. For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves and who and was slain. And all, and, and all, and as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after them, after him. He also perished, and all, and as many as obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. If this is of man, it will come to naught. Don't worry about it. This Jesus they call him, he's got a following right now. But you know what? If this Jesus is not true, let him, it'll fizzle out. It'll fizzle out. Look what he says in verse number 39. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against who? Against God. And to, who, and to him they agreed, and when they called the apostles and beaten them, that's not what he said to do. He didn't say beat them. He didn't say anything. He just said leave them alone. Let it to naught. Well, go back to Acts chapter number 8. Go to Acts chapter number 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at, this, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of, Drew, of Drew, Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, right? So you see about, you see about Saul, he's there, and he's causing problems. Verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committing them to prison, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Well, what is so important? Why are, you, why are you talking about Saul? Because we all know Saul sat at the seat at the feet of Gamaliel. Here he was teaching them. You know, if it's not of God, leave it alone. If it's if it's of God, don't touch it. If it's not of God, it'll fizzle out and fall out and die. They all took his advice, except they went and beat the apostles, and they commanded him not to preach in Jesus' name. 
They all heard the council. Stephen gets up preaching in chapter 7, gets up and preaches a message against the Jews about telling them how they had persecuted and crucified the Christ and how they had crucified the Holy One. And they didn't like that, so they killed Stephen and laid their coats at, at Saul's feet, who was a student of Gamaliel. Didn't pay attention to all that was being said or done. The Antichrist turns out to be someone who accosts, accuses, who is a, a, a cost and accuses the brethren. That's what an anti-Christian is. They do the work of Satan by opposing the work of God. I'm not imagining things. This is what Satan does. This is what the Antichrist is going to do. The anti-Christian does the same exact thing. The Bible says right here in Acts chapter 5, we just read it. He, he does the same exact thing. Go to, go to Luke chapter number 9. <laughs> this attitude, this behavior, this tendency has been around for years. It's happened in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. And even Christ dealt with it among his own disciples. Luke chapter number 9, it says in verse number 49. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. And we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. In that passage, you find John being an anti-Christian. You find John being doing the behavior of an anti-Christian. He forbade, they forbade people who was preaching the gospel, doing good in Jesus' name that was not part of their clique, not part of their camp, not part of their accepted group. And they was, and he says, we told them not to. We told them not to, Jesus. We told them not to. We know what they did. He was trying to forbid. He was trying to forbid. He was trying to oppose the work of God, intentionally or not intentionally. But Jesus said, hey, they're not against us. They're for us on our part. They're, they're not, those who are not against us is for us. Go to Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. There are people out there who, yes, preach Jesus out of contempt. Yes, there's people out there who use it despitefully use it. Absolutely. And you know, there's people in the ministry today who preach Jesus that run us, that run us aground. There are, there's preachers today out there who are operating as anti-Christians. They're opposing, they're in opposition to people, they're accusing the brethren, they're, they're opposing, they're setting themselves up as being God, setting themselves in a high place. There's such man worship in, in, in independent Baptist churches. It's scary. I grew up in a church where Jack Hiles was lauded in worship. Jack Hiles is everything. Well, I can't do anything, I can't do anything unless Jack Hiles approves it. Students would line up outside the pastor's door trying to find out what color car they should buy. Getting permission or getting advice that they should date this girl or that girl. Asking the pastor because they can't choose for themselves. They can't figure out what car they're supposed to get, what car insurance company they should go with. They're getting equal rates, but which one should I go with? Students would line up and beg. And they would, even after Jack Hiles died, they lined up in groves and they would put... Reese's peanut butter cups outside of the statue in the middle of the campus, then they would pray at his grave and ask for power. They would pray and ask for God's power in his life. Jack Scott, who became the who's a son-in-law, who became the pastor of the church, literally prayed every night to Jack Hiles 
asking for help and guidance to lead this church. There was man worship in the old, in the old IFB. There's man worship in IFB. Guess what? There's equal man worship in the new IFB. I can't be friends with someone if Stephen Anderson doesn't like him. I can't be friends with someone of Jonathan Shelley. I can't be friends with someone of so-and-so. You know what? I don't care what they have to say. I'm going to be friends with someone. I'm not going to stand against the work of God. And that's the attitude we ought to have. I'm calling names because I'm tired of these people ripping out, causing division everywhere they go. I'm fed up with it. I'm not new IFB. I'm not old IFB. I'm Pastor Tim DeLello at Friendship Baptist Church. I am who I am. That I am through Christ Jesus. I am who I am through Christ Jesus. Not because of myself, but because of what he has given us to be. And if that breaks fellowship with people, that breaks fellowship with people. I'd rather not have to fight through people to have fellowship. If people can't fellowship with me for who and what I am, then I don't want to have their fellowship. I don't want any part of it. But the anti-Christian, even if they're in the ministry, they cause havoc. Philippians chapter number 1, it says here in verse number 16, verse number 15, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. That's a bad reason to preach Jesus Christ. Out of envy and strife. Well, if I preach Christ, I'll have enough. I'll have enough social media followers. I don't want social media followers. You know what? I'd rather have people come to church. That's what I'd rather have people in the church come to this church. Grow, great. I'm not going to preach strife of that. Some indeed preach out of out of strife. Well, if I preach Christ this way, so and so might get upset. If I preach this way, so and so might get offended. I'm going to draw the battle lines and I'm going to preach Christ this way. That's what Paul was saying here. And some also of goodwill. Some are preaching Christ because Christ when he preached. Christ, Christ preached to him crucified, right? That one preached Christ of contention, not the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to had affliction to my bond. Well, maybe I'll preach a little further, and I'll push him toward the brink a little bit further. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stick it to him. But the other preaches Christ out of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. I don't care if Jonathan Shelley, pastor, steadfast Baptist Church, likes Jesus Christ. I don't care. I'm beyond caring. In fact, I hope he doesn't like Jesus Christ. Hope he never does. Aaron Thomas, pastor at Sure Foundation Baptist Church. I hope he never does. Bruce Mejia, pastor at First Works Baptist Church. Pastor Anderson, Faith Word Baptist Church. You know what? I don't care if they ever like Jesus. I'll live on with my life without them. I don't care. But if they're not, if they're preaching me and not preaching Christ, they're wasting everybody else's time. And they're acting just like an antichrist. They're acting and doing the same job that Satan does, accusing the brethren, accosting brethren. They're being anti-Christian. And I'm and Pastor Anderson hasn't done it since late. He just does it a little bit here and there on the sides. But I'm telling the other guys, they're exalting themselves, they're boasting themselves. And even if they do that, as long as Christ is being preached, I'm going to pray for our ministries. Even if they're attacking me, I'm still going to pray for their ministries. Even if they never like me, I don't care. Is Christ being preached? Great. Then I'm going to rejoice and glorify. But I'm not going to stand in the way of standing against them because it's standing in the way of God. If they're not, those that are for us are not against us. But what will be to those that are against us? People who are against you for being in this church. That's sad. That's ridiculous. And by the way, it's the old IFB too. Oh, you don't believe in a preacher of rapture? You're not, you're not a true believer. Well, really? 
It's on both sides. Okay, it's not in, it's, it's everywhere. Go to Third John. Let's look at Diotrephes real quick here. <coughs> Third John. Why, why do you preach? Why do you care so much? Well, because I'm just really tired of my people, of you guys that are in my church being accosted on Facebook, on social media, and text at conferences. I'm tired of you guys being accosted, being attacked, and being questioned why you're at our church. Or why people are in fellowship or being friends with you. Look, it's, just, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's going over the top. It's ridiculous. Third John yeah. chapter number 1. Well, of course it's chapter 1. Look at verse number 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Well, he loved to have the preeminence, first place. Preeminence means first fruits, first place. Right? He receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I'll remember his, his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. What is he doing? He's doing evil. Look at verse number 11. Beloved, follow not after that which is evil, but that but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. That's the anti-Christian. What does he do? Well, he exalts himself of all that is called God. He exalts himself and stands in the place of who he can who can allow who is allowed to be in the church, who is allowed to be received the brethren, who is really a Christian or not. I'm the one who decides that. No, he don't. The only one who decides who's saved or not is the person who comes to Jesus Christ by faith, and God says, right. that's my child. Right. You come by salvation by grace through faith, you're saved. If you come up some other way, you're counted as a thief and a robber. But he accuses and accosts the brethren. He, he tears them down. That's what, that's what an anti-Christian does. These six things doth the Lord hate. They seven are abomination unto him. A proud look, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. That's what an anti-Christian does. They sow discord. They go in there and they throw bombs. They throw division. Well, if you fellowship with so-and-so, you can't fellowship with me. Really? Is this a sandbox? I'm going to take my toys and go home. That's ridiculous. That's not of God. It's selfish. It's fleshly. It's exalting yourself above all that is called God. And that's the same thing that Satan does. It's what the Antichrist is doing, and you're finding it with anti-Christians. People who are against Christians. Balaam was hired in Numbers 22 to curse Israel. They were, he was hired to curse Israel. And he was on the way. He took the, he took the, he took the money. He was on his way to curse Israel, and God turned his cursing into blessing. And he was like, oh! And he went down to, he got out, got off his you know, donkey and started going down the airway. He's like, Goes to the next mountain and he goes to curse out Israel again and turns out the blessing. Oh, gets down the gets down and starts riding across the next the next, the next mountain. He gets to the next mountain, same thing happened. Same thing happened. He was being he was trying to curse and blessings came out. But you know the sad thing is is when you're trying to bless someone and cursings fall out. See that's kind of contradictory. Well, James chapter number three, the Bible talks about pure religion, right? It talks about a, a pure religion is one who bridles all tongues. Chapter one. Chapter number three of, of James, it says this, verse number, verse number eight. But the tongue can no man tame; it is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. How can you bless God and curse men? 
out of the same mouth. You really can't. Look at verse number 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought to be. Oops. No, let's go back and read it. It says, my, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs, um, and a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You can't bless God and curse your brother in Christ at the same time. So that tells me that if you're able to curse out your brother, if you're able to slander and sow discord and, and accost your brother, something's wrong. You're not the, the wisdom that you have is not of God. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying your wisdom is fleshly, foolish, it's of sensual, it's of this world, and you're not being blessed by God, and God will have no part of that. So you find that's what happens here with the anti-Christian, what he does, he blasphemes the work of God, he exalts himself of all that is called God, he accuses and accosts the brethren. Isn't that exactly what the Antichrist does? Isn't that exactly what Satan does? Go to First Timothy, go to Second Tim, uh, Second Corinthians chapter number two. Second Corinthians chapter number two. Isn't that not the same thing that the Antichrist does that Satan does? Sure it is. Then why is it, brethren, that we are in the same midst? And I'm guilty of it. If anything was happening right now, I'm reaping what I have sowed. I'm reaping what I sowed because I've said enough bad things against people that I'm sure this is just God's word coming to truth that I've said bad things to bad people, said things to people, and now it's coming to my home roof. But you know what? Let's also realize that Satan has devices. And we're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is talking about unforgiveness. Not something you can ever be forgiven by God or by fellow man for the deeds you've done. Okay? And being overcome with overmuch sorrow. Verse number 11. Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, guess what? It didn't say device. It said devices. The tools of Satan's arsenal. Well, what are the tools of Satan's arsenal? Sowing discord among brethren. Setting themselves up as being God. Making messianic claims. Making the theocratic claims that he is God. God says this does wicked. And the Antichrist is going to do the same thing. And guess what? Anti-Christians, they do the same exact thing. Now, the difference in this is the Antichrist is going to get destroyed. Satan is going to be cast to the lake of hell. You know, to the lake of fire forever and ever. Isn't that going to be a good day? God's going to punish the Antichrist and Satan. Why do we think that Christ will not also punish us? Well, because I'm saved. Okay. It's going to be a bad day for you to judge seat. It's going to be a bad day when you stand before God and give an account of all things on your body, whether good or bad. It's going to be a bad day for that. Why? There's no well eyes. It's, yeah, the Bible says this. I need to get myself right. I've got to get myself right in this matter. I would rather, and here's another thing. They, they, 
this past couple months I've been going through going through pastoral Catholicism. Again, for Sunday school, the reason why I've been doing it is because one day I'm not going to be a pastor. One day I'm not going to be here. One day you're going to be looking for a new pastor somewhere. Maybe you're going to leave this church and find a pastor. You need to know what to look for in a pastor. That's the whole purpose why I preach that message, why I'm preaching those messages. Why, why are we looking for what to look for in a pastor? Having said all that, having said all that, if I'm wrong in one area, I, if, someone, if someone down the road is wrong in one area, maybe they're not of good hospitality. I'm not going to railroad their ministry and accost them and accuse them and slander them. I'm going to pray that they get that one area of their life changed. Right. Why stand against the work of God? Why stand against God? If I'm wrong, pray that I get it right. If it's something major, like mind-blowing, like it's a deal-breaker, like I'm preaching a false gospel, yeah. Toss me out fast as you can. Absolutely. But if it's something something so trivial and minor, why are people willing to take that and like go against the work of God? They're going to stand before God and have to give an account of why they're going after a ministry, a group of believers that is bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're going to have to give an account of why they're sowing discord against brethren, why they're cursing their brother while supposedly praising God. Give me a bad day. Give me a bad day. I'll take, I would rather take this route and say, you know what, they're maybe they're not where they're supposed to be yet, but they're going that direction. I'm going to pray for them, and I'm not going to stand against them. I may not stand shoulder to shoulder with them, but I'm not going to stand against them. I'm not going to stand. Hey, you're down that road? Good for you. Go ahead. You keep on going down that road. Go get about a mile's distance from me. I'm going to be behind you, or I'm going to be ahead of you a mile distance, but I'm going to keep away from you. About three years ago, I was driving down from helping, trying to help fix on this church. And uh, we're trying to finish up and trying to sand walls and trying to get the electric going and everything on this building. And uh, I remember it was like right against the time, and I set a date, and we kept pushing the date back, and we finally set it down. We're going to be here the first week of November. And Ed's like, it's going to be pushing it, Pastor. And I'd love to push it. And Ed's like, you're pushing me, Pastor. And Ed loves the sand. We know how much he loves the sand, but he was just like really <laughs> above and beyond. And he was just like, and I was driving home, and it was like around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the evening, and this guy in front of me was all over the road. I mean, he was just all over the road. And I was like, good grief, this guy. And I got up, and I, he started getting, you know, driving like he was supposed to in his right side of the lane. I was going to pass him on the left, and I was going about 70, 73. He's going about 65, and I was passing him, and then he started swerving. Like, right when I was next to him, and I was like, oh, ah. Uh. So I gunned it. And I screamed him around, went, you know, what? And around him and my Honda, just kind of went around him and my Honda. And then up around the corner, right there by Strasburg, there was Smokey. Pulls me over. He goes, you know how fast you're going? I said, yes, sir, 93. He goes, yeah. The speed limit is I said, 70 miles an hour. He goes, okay. I said, would you like to know why? He goes, sure. I said, okay, well, here's my license and registration. He goes, what was going on? So this guy back here? He goes, yeah. He was driving. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, that guy was like that back there and about sideswiped me. I just want to put distance between me and him. He's like, that's smart thinking. Okay, well, no, no, you know, I'm going to check your license. No records, no nothing. You're good to go. Just be careful driving. I said, yes, sir. And I was on my way. I just wanted to put distance between the guy that was about to strike me and cause me problems and get me in the world of hurt. I just wanted to put distance between me and him. And I didn't want to get behind him or to put up with any damage he did ahead of me. I just wanted to get out ahead of him. So I zoomed past him. 
I'm not saying that guy shouldn't be a driver. I'm not saying that guy was a lunatic. I'm not saying that guy was a reprobate. I'm not saying that guy was insane. I'm not saying that guy was demon possessed. I'm just saying I didn't want to be behind or near that guy. I just wanted to go ahead of the guy and get around him. That's the same thing with brothers and sisters in Christ. If you've got a problem with a brother and sister in Christ, just don't get behind him. Don't get beside him. Go out around him and speed on ahead. Just get on around him. You know, your, be your best hope is to set a better pattern for them to follow than what they're doing. That's just common sense. But I'm not going to go back and say, hey, police officer, get his license, try him, throw him in jail, lethal injections, he's a reprobate, he's a loser, he's a possessed. It's above the top, right? Just go around him. If you don't want to drive next to him, don't drive next to him. If you don't want to be around him, fine. But don't trash the guy. If you don't like the guy you're listening to so-and-so, you know what? Fine. Don't like so-and-so. Don't follow him on Facebook. Don't subscribe to him on YouTube. Don't pay attention to him. But don't talk bad about the guy. Just shut up and go around the guy and move on for the Lord. And set a good example for that guy that one day he'll pay attention. But instead, this infighting, this constant attack, I don't want to be the guy who stands against the work of the Lord. And I sure hope you are also in the place where you do not want to stand against the work of the Lord. Churches like us, churches that are just Bible-believing churches, are so few and far between. How would you want to leave? But no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Ask God's blessing on our service. Um, Brother Ed, if you would be